so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with him. So let's get into the word. Um, good morning everyone. A bit about the Queen which Steve said will be later but my first question is who's been watching the Rings of Power TV show? A few hands up. Um, it's out on Friday nights on Prime and our family loves all books and all movies that have anything to do with Lord of the Rings. So we're really excited that this new TV series has been produced based on the works of Tolkien. And our excitement was even greater when we found out that Michael and Lynn Pilbrow's daughter has been one of the team that's helped create the series. And um, please have a chat to them about it. It's an amazing accomplishment for her. And I've been told to watch out for her name in the credits in, um, for episode eight of this season. So with all that, it looks like our Friday nights will be taken up for a little while watching each episode. And um, then we have to wait expectantly for the, the next four seasons to come out. Which is what we used to do. It's just we're used to being able to binge watch things these days. Um, it's a spoiler alert this morning, but one of the storylines storylines in the episodes we've been watching is centred on an elf called Galadriel. She was born in the mythical world of Valinor, the undying lands across the sea, but now lives in Middle-earth, uh, fighting against evil. The elves are immortal, but not invincible. So when her, father, her brother is killed in Middle-earth, his spirit is sent back to Valinor. So when Galadriel is granted the opportunity to go back to Valinor herself, she's torn. Does she abandon Middle-earth and return to the land of her birth, where she can live immortal and be reunited with her people? Or does she return to Middle-earth to fight evil? And there's another spoiler alert, she chooses to go back to Middle-earth to fight and protect those that she can. There's a whole heap of backstory to it that I'm not covering. And maybe I'm looking at it too simplistically, but I see a connection between the story and the passage Jill read for us today. Galadriel gave up living in peace to return to fight for those in Middle-earth. She was loving her neighbour and she was lying, laying down her life for others. I, will, I say all of that full well knowing that my daughter Miriam will tell me everything I said wrong about that <laughs> later on. <laughs> Tolkien, who wrote the books was a Christian. His writings were never allegorical. You couldn't sort of say, well, that bit's that Bible story. But they were based on Christian themes and principles. And one of the principles he drew on was people loving their neighbours. And this shows up many times in his writings. Today is also a date in history where we remember the 9-11 attacks in the US. On this day 21 years ago, more than 400 police and fire personnel were killed not from the attacks themselves, but because they came to help, to show love to their neighbours. They gave up peace and comfort to help. We've also had the sad news of the passing of Queen Elizabeth, who faithfully served the Commonwealth for just over 70 years. And she was the longest serving British monarch in history and the second longest living monarch in history, serving monarch in history. The cornerstone of her service was her faith in Christ and she often spoke about Jesus loving us and how we should love our neighbours. My challenge for us this morning as we look at God's word is for us to think about who we love and who we prioritise 
and how God wants us to love our neighbours as ourselves. But I'd like to pray before we do that this morning. Lord, we come to you this morning to read your word and to focus on you and your word this morning. We thank you for your word, which points us to you and your will in our lives. Lord, as we look at this passage this morning, I pray that my words will not get in the way of the message you have for each person today. Please help, help each of us to see your will and message for us this morning. Amen. So the passage you read for us this morning was the words of Jesus found in the Gospel of Matthew, but we'll also look at a couple of passages from the Old Testament this morning, which is what Jesus was basing his teaching on and what he expanded on. The first passage I'd like to read is from Deuteronomy 6. Time-wise, it was set uh, when the Israelites were on the doorstep of the Promised Land. They'd been rescued from slavery. They'd had their 40-year holiday in the desert. And now Moses delivers three sermons before they set foot in the Promised Land. And this is part of one of them in verses 4 to 8 of Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Moses was setting up the people for entering the promised land and making it a holy place where God's temple would stand and be the focus of worship to God on earth. They'd already been given the Ten Commandments to follow and all the purity laws um, they would have followed. But here Moses gives one commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These were God's chosen people. They were chosen by God to maintain a holy land that God would give them so that God's temple in the middle of that land could be kept holy for worship to God. They were to be set apart from the nations around them and be set apart for maintaining worship to God on earth. So it makes sense that they would have put God first in everything. They would have loved God with all their hearts, souls and strength. This was what they were set apart for. They'd been set apart right back to Abraham when he was told that he would be set apart and his offspring for God's purpose. Being set apart and dedicated to God's purpose is what being holy means after all. To know how to set themselves apart, God gave the Israelites ten commandments amongst the other laws. The first four of the ten commandments were about the Israelites' relationship with God. These commands told them that they were to have no other gods, little g, before God, big G. They were not to make images of anything on heaven or earth and bow down to them and worship them. They were not to misuse the name of God and they, weren't, that they were to have a Sabbath rest. In the New Testament, we read Jesus saying almost the same commandment that Moses gave the Israelites in Deuteronomy, which Jill read in verse 27 of Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This command that Jesus and Moses gave encompassed the Ten Commandments. It included them. It looked beyond the Ten Commandments and all the other laws and looked to the intent of the law. The intent was to love and serve God. So if you love God with everything, you will be obeying the Ten Commandments, but also following the intent of the commandments, 
by loving God in all we do. Instead of ticking 10 boxes to say you've obeyed all of the law and shown God love in a cold and lifeless way, Jesus made it more encompassing by saying we should love God with everything and be motivated by love. By loving God with all our heart, soul and mind, we move away from legalism and into a life of loving a gracious God. The commands of the Old Testament are good guidelines, but they were given to a group of people who were about to set up a political nation in a specific geographical location. This doesn't mean the laws were irrelevant. They give us a great guide and understanding about who God is and warn us about what happens when God's people are disobedient. But the intent of the laws was for God's people to serve him and follow him out of love for him. If we love God with everything, our heart, soul and mind, then we understand and follow what the Israelites were meant to do, to follow God and walk in love, not legalism. Where Moses words the, uses the word strength in Deuteronomy, Jesus uses the word mind to end the commandment in Matthew. The different words don't mean a change of intent, but rather Moses and Jesus were expressing the true intent of the law in both words and would have been understood by the people listening at the time. This command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength or mind meant to love God in every way possible with everything within us. As Christians, us loving God with everything is our first commandment to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, souls and minds. This was never meant to be achievable through our own efforts. God knew at the very beginning that we would never love him with all our heart, soul, mind or strength under our own power. God had a solution. He sent his son Jesus to die for our sins, to justify us from our sin and to fill us with his spirit to make us whole and holy. We don't achieve holiness by ourselves. God makes us holy and dwells within us. Where the Israelites had the temple where God dwelt in the Holy of Holies part of the temple, we no longer have a holy land with God's holy temple in it. Instead, our bodies are God's temple. We are the vessel that God dwells in on earth, not a building. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you know that you yourselves are God's temple? and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. 1 Peter 2 verse 5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The only way a holy God can dwell in us is if we are holy. When we ask God to save us, we become holy. God no longer sees us through our sin, but through the eyes of his Son. While none of that's achievable through our own doing, when we belong to God, we try to live and follow him. Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind or strength is not possible on our own, but it becomes our focus and our goal. If we love God with everything, we become transformed by it. We get the fullness of his grace in our lives and we become more and more like him. So where the, old, where the commands of the Old Testament were made were to make a holy place for God to dwell. As Christians, we love God with everything we have to keep ourselves holy for God to dwell in us. Loving God with all our heart requires all our heart, soul, mind and strength. Anything that distracts us from that goal 
and jeopardises our holiness needs to be sacrificed or put aside. This could mean giving up a job or a relationship with someone. This could mean more time reading your Bible and less binge watching TV. It could mean being more present with church or family and less doing other things that you want to do. If everyone in our world who claim to be Christian love God with all our heart, all their heart, soul, mind and strength, I wonder how much better life would be. Maybe each one of us wouldn't have an effect on world-level events, but everything within our personal sphere would surely be affected in a big way. If we strive to love God and have him as our focus and effort, then everything around us will see the love of God in all we do. Living a life with God at the forefront of our hearts, souls and minds not only keeps us on track walking with God, but keeps us in balance. If we love God with our head, but not our heart or soul, we're off balance. I was talking to a friend about preaching this Sunday and he gave me some notes he'd written about a different topic that, were, that there was something in it that was relevant to today. He said this, the longest journey we ever undertake is from the heart to the head or the head to the heart. We need both synchronised, otherwise we become asymmetrical Christians and no good to those around us. If we've given our soul to God and it's been made whole, yet your mind and heart lead you elsewhere, we become asymmetrical. We were created by God and when he commands us to love him with all our heart, soul and strength and we neglect one part of that command, we become ineffective Christians. To be effective Christians for our own lives and the lives of those around us, we need our hearts, souls and mind to be synchronised and to be symmetrical. Life is rarely symmetrical, but our relationship with God needs to be. The second part of the command we're looking at this morning that Jesus gave was love your neighbour as yourself. I think there's two parts to this command. You need to love your neighbour, but you also need to love yourself. There's no specific verse about loving your neighbour as yourself in the Old Testament, but anyone who knew their Old Testament scriptures in Jesus' day would know that Jesus was talking about the, the laws of the Old Testament. And when he speaks in um, when he speaks in Matthew 22, when Jesus said to love God with all your heart, soul and mind, people knew he was talking about how they should have a relationship with God. When he said to love your neighbour as yourself, they knew he was talking about the relationships they should have with others. There was an expert in the law which spoke, a different one to the one we read about this morning, and we can read about him in Luke 10. Jesus asked him what was written in the law. Now, this wasn't the law like we have today. An expert in the law in Jesus' day was an expert in the Bible, specifically the Torah, which was the first five books of our Bible, plus a bunch of other laws that the Jews had made up. These laws weren't about meeting the legal requirements of the land, like speeding or drink driving laws, these were the ones God had given the Israelites to set them apart from other nations and to make them God's people, plus, like I said, a bunch of others that the Israelites had gathered themselves. So this expert asked Jesus what he can do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus asked him what is written in the law and how this expert interpreted it. 
and he answers Jesus in Luke 10, 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. So this expert who knew the law also used these words, love your neighbour as yourself, in regard to the law. What Jesus and this law expert was referring to was the Ten Commandments and the other laws of the Old Testament. So we'll have a look at a couple of passages. In Exodus 20, we read the Ten Commandments. The first four of the Ten Commandments was all about our relationship with God. And if we love him with all our heart, soul and strength, then we would be obeying these commands. The last six commandments, though, deal with our relationship with others. They're about honouring parents, not murdering, not committing adultery, not stealing, not being a false witness and not coveting. All these are about how they would treat one another and these laws are expanded in the books from Exodus to Deuteronomy. If God's people were to remain holy and keep the land holy, then they needed to treat one another as God would have them treat each other. These commands weren't separate from the first four of the Ten Commandments but were reliant on the first four. If they obeyed God in their relationship with him, then the next six were possible. If they loved God with all their heart, soul and strength, then that gave them the ability to love their neighbours. The word neighbour in the Bible could be anyone that is not us or anyone who is in front of us. It could be universal or personal. But if we look at some of the Ten Commandments, they are specifically talking about people that we do life with. Loving our parents is quite specific. We don't have many parents in our lifetime. Adultery is often between, is between two people that know each other and against a spouse. The command, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbour, or the next one about coveting things your neighbour has, implies a knowledge of one another rather than someone that's remote or distant. In Leviticus 19, the Lord spoke to Moses and spoke personally and more universally about neighbours. Leviticus 19, 9 to 6, 9 to 16. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbour. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favouritism to the great, but judge your neighbour fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbour's life. I am the Lord. These verses are coming from the premise that human nature tends to devalue their neighbours and usually people we know personally. But a holy people cannot remain holy if they devalue each other and see themselves more highly than their neighbours. Jesus was drawing on these verses when he said, love your neighbour as yourself. He wants us to see our neighbours as valuable and to treat them with love and respect. As with loving God with everything, this is impossible without God's help. 
But if we make a life centred on God and God alone, then it is possible to love our neighbours. These verses in Leviticus were personal about their physical neighbours, but Jesus made them universal. If you look at Matthew chapter 5, Jesus covers several of the commandments and how he wants us to look at our neighbours as in that all-encompassing way rather than the specifics of the Old Testament. He wanted us to look to the intent of the laws rather than the letter of the law. Jesus says it's not just about not murdering, it's about not hating or being angry either. Adultery isn't just about having sex with a person that you're not married to. It's about not even thinking lustful thoughts about someone you aren't married to. It's not about going one mile when you feel forced by someone, but going two miles for that person instead. It's not just about loving your neighbour. It's about loving your enemies as well. Again, none of this is possible in our own strength, but it is possible with God. There's a couple of thoughts I had regarding this passage this morning. The first is that we need to sacrifice our own comfort in order to love others. We need to put ourselves out there. If we spend our lives surrounded by the people we like or only sit in our PJs and audies in front of the TV with our favourite beverage or if we only do things that interest us, then we won't be stepping fully into loving our neighbours. God can use our comfort zones. More often than not, God uses us to love our others that we wouldn't usually encounter if we stuck to what made us comfortable. Jesus did not take the comfy road to the cross. He loved those that no one else had time for and showed us that sacrifice is needed to show love to others. Loving your neighbour is not passive. It's something that commands action. If we love God and are motivated by love to serve him in all we do, then that love needs to be shown to our neighbours. This doesn't mean being quiet and never speaking up and trying to keep the peace and making other people happy. Sometimes it means standing up for what is right, especially if some form of abuse is occurring. Sometimes love is speaking up to protect those around us, even if it's hard or upsets other people. To be able to love our neighbours, we also need to be set apart from the world around us and love in the way God would, not the world. Jesus made us holy or set apart through sacrifice on the cross and we need to strive to live a holy life. Our bodies are God's temple and we are to love others as we love that temple. What is keeping us from a holy life dedicated to God and serving him? Is there something that gets in the way of keeping God's temple holy? What could we change in order for us to better maintain our bodies as God's temple so we can more fully serve others? The second thought I had was about when Jesus said, love your neighbour as yourself. As humans, we're often egotistical and self-centred. So if we love our neighbours to that standard, our neighbours should be getting a whole lot of love from us. If we love ourselves so much, then we should love our neighbours that much as well. But what if the opposite is true? What if we've devalued ourselves? We might have grown up in circumstances where we felt unloved and undervalued. We might have been bullied or abused by people who should have loved us but didn't. 
and so we don't see our value anymore. The world tells us that we are the most important person in the world, while at the same time cutting us down at every moment. How do we know love when this occurs? How do we find our purpose if we don't feel loved? Imagine a jug that represents your life. As you have loved and have been loved, the jug has been filling up over time and keeps on filling. Out of the overflow, you find it quite easy to love others. But if your jug has barely been filled, you won't have much to give and will find it quite draining to help others. If we don't feel loved or lovable, then we can also find it hard to accept love from others. We can miss the blessing that others have for us because we don't understand why they are trying to love us. We think them showing us love is just them being polite and nice people instead of seeing that we are loved and valued. What you need to know today is that you are loved and are valued. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you. He did that because he loves you so much. He sees you as worth that sacrifice so that you can be whole and know you are loved. Let yourself be loved. See yourself how God sees you. You are enough in the eyes of God. You are loved and lovable. If you've never felt that love before or feel unlovable, then I encourage you to speak to someone today or through the week, myself, one of the other elders, or someone sitting next to you this morning. You may never have given your life to Jesus before, or maybe you have but just can't see that you're part of all that love and plan and you find it hard to accept love for others. Please speak to someone for prayer and for a hug if you need it. But please know that you are loved, you are valued, and you are worth the sacrifice that God made for you. Jesus loved each of us so much. He died in a most horrible way because he loved us as he loved himself. He is the Son of God and worthy of all love. He wants us to know that we are loved by him in the same amount and wants us to pass that on to others. Some of us need to know we are loved in order to fully understand how to love our neighbours. If you can accept that you are loved by God, then you will overflow with love for others. You won't be pouring from an empty jug anymore. God's love is agape. It's all-encompassing. There is nothing you have done or will do that can stop God from loving you and filling you to overflowing with love if you let him. If we accept God's love and love God with everything we have, then we will find our purpose. Our purpose is to love God and to show others his love. We were created to love God and love others. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were created by God. We are his handiwork, created to do good works. Things always work best if the creation operates the way the creator intended it to. God made us to love him and to love others. Our lives work best when we follow the creator's plan. I encourage each of you to find ways each day to love God more and more with all your heart, soul, mind, and to love others as yourselves. If you struggle to love and want more of God's love in your life, then please come and talk to someone this morning. 
If you're watching online, then please email or message us so that someone can be praying for you. Seek ways to love one another and in doing so, love others as Jesus loves them. An event happens in Lord of the Rings that's described as a small pebble that starts an avalanche. I want to encourage you all this morning to be that pebble that starts an avalanche of love in somebody's life. I'd written my message for today before I heard the news of the Queen's death on Friday. In reading about her and her life, I found transcripts of some of her Christmas broadcasts. As God would have it, I realised that so often she talked about Jesus' love for us and how we should love one another. Her faith was so evident in her Christmas messages, which she largely wrote herself. Incidentally, a lot of commentators are talking about what an amazing servant she was and that we will never see another world leader like her. What they aren't saying, no, is that it was her faith in Christ that made all that possible. And unless another world leader rises that has that faith in Christ, then we will never have another leader like her. This quote that I want to end with this morning is part of one of her Christmas messages where she's talking about Jesus. It's a long quote, but it's one that I felt was appropriate for today. Talking about Jesus, that one person by his example and by his revelation of the good which is in us all has made an enormous difference to the life of people who have come to understand his teaching. His simple message of love has been turning the world upside down ever since. He showed what people are and what they do does matter and makes all the difference. He commanded us to love our neighbours as we love ourselves, but what exactly is meant by loving others? I believe it means trying to make the most of the abilities we've been given. It means caring for our talents. It's a matter of making the best for, of ourselves, not just doing the best for others. Uh, sorry, not just doing the best for ourselves. Making the best of ourselves, not just doing the best. We are all different, but each of us has his own best offer. The responsibility for the way we live life with all its challenges, sadness and joy is ours alone. If we do this well, it will also be good for our neighbours. If you throw a stone in a pool, the ripples go on spreading outwards. A big stone can cause waves, but even the smallest pebble can change the whole pattern of the water. Our daily actions are like those ripples. Each one makes a difference, even the smallest. It does matter, therefore, what each individual does each day. Kindness, sympathy, resolution and courteous behaviour are infectious. Acts of courage and self-sacrifice, like those of the people who refuse to be terrorised by kidnappers or hijackers or who defuse bombs, are, in, are an inspiration to others. And the, combination, the combined effect can be enormous. If enough grains of sand are dropped into one side of a pair of scales, they will, in the end, tip against a lump of lead. We may feel powerless alone, but the joint efforts of individuals can defeat the evils of our time. Together they can create a stable, free and considerate society. Like those grains of sand, they can tip the balance. They take heart from the Christmas message and be happy. And that's the words of, of the Queen showing her faith. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for loving us and for your word that tells us over and over how much we are loved by you. 
Thank you for making it known to us that you are a God of love through the sacrifice of your son. Help us strive every day to love you more and more. Help us to keep your command to love you with all our heart, soul and mind. Help us to keep the command to love our neighbours as ourselves so that others can know and experience your love for them firsthand. Help us to find our symmetry in loving you and balance in you. Thank you for the joy and friendship we gain by loving you. Lord, I pray for anyone here today that has never known your love or doesn't feel worthy of love, that they will know how much you love them. Let them feel loved and lovable. Show us how we can love these people, Lord. Show us how to love all our neighbours. Show us how to be that pebble that starts an avalanche of your love in the life of someone and in our town. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.